This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Why don't we go ahead and start? All right. Okay. Starting the show. I know, we're all a little rusty. We're like, what's happening? Um, welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle. We'll call this season five. We've taken quite a little break because, you know, life life happens. And uh, we've been we've been both doing... A lot of personal stuff. David's got a new gig, and I just released an album. And my name is Maggie Mayfield, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. So glad to see you again. Our guest today, I'm so excited to talk to her, Miss Avi Green, personal trainer, nutrition coach, co-founder of a company called Feel Alive Foods. I can't wait to learn all about that. And uh, one of my favorites on Instagram, um, because you play piano all the time and you're always dancing and you just make life look so fun. So I'm so happy to have you. A.V. Green, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for for thinking of me. I feel excited as well. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit about this company that you founded and how are you surviving through COVID? Um, so Feel Alive Foods is a company that I founded with my my partner, Mark, um, and he, it, the way it started was actually, I have another business, which is a meal prep business, and he was one of my clients, and he thought, I feel like you're onto something with, with your food, because it's really special, and I, I want to talk to you about maybe going into business together, and that conversation took place over the period of like a year, and so after after we talked and talked and kind of came together on what we could do together, uh, that's how it was born. And Feel Alive Foods, the kind of the name of it has to do with the way that people would would say that they felt actually when they were eating my food, that they just felt less weighed down, like they felt more energetic. And, you know, because people eat out a lot, they eat a lot of processed foods and that stuff really causes a lot of problems for people, even if it doesn't cause disease, it causes like inflammation and, you know, people don't feel good. So um, the, the company Feel Alive Foods is broth, dressings, and sauces. The idea is to help people who have um, cancer, autoimmune disease, diabetes, heart disease, to ha- have the condiments and sauces and things that they need to make their boring meal prep food taste better. <laughs> oh. Like when my when my great grandmother had those diabetic cookies that I would accidentally eat and be like, (laughs) make those actually taste better. Right. When you dip the cookie in salad dressing, it tastes better. (laughs) That we all know, but your you know best feel foods is it best feel foods? It's called feel alive foods. Feel alive foods. Um, so when you're talking sauces, it could be a pasta sauce for an otherwise bland sort of, you only can eat this kind of food, but with right. the sauce, it meets the expectation. Yeah. So for it. instance, we have like a barbecue sauce, which if you pick up a bottle of barbecue sauce at the grocery store, you're going to see probably the first or second ingredient is sugar and diabetics mm. should not be eating sugar. Right. So right. our products don't have sugar in them. If it's something that needs to be sweetened. We used organic dates. Can I ask you um, about your partner and and how that relationship came to be? Was this like a business classmate or is there some romance involved? Because no. <laughs> no, I want to no, know no. these things. I just like, love how you ask it. Your music and how you like to rock. Yeah, no, no, no romance 
Thanks at all. Um, he was my customer and also my student in my in my fitness classes that I was coaching. And so he learned about my my meal prep business and became my customer. And then just kind of saw what I was doing and thought, you know, there's something here. And cool. He, yeah. So he's kind of like the business side, and I'm kind of like the face and the I'm and behind the camera and all that stuff because I'm. I'm a little bit goofy like that so <laughs> and the camera loves you I don't know if you've had a chance to look at her Instagram but you do something that I love so much and you get on and play piano for your followers which I think is so cool and it's always something different and really complicated oh my gosh I don't think it's I wish it was complicated I'm I don't feel like I'm that great but I really appreciate that I used to play in a band at local bars regularly but it doesn't like pay you know, uh, you know, it doesn't pay enough for it to be like <laughs> for me to pursue. Oh, do I know? Do I know? Yeah. <laughs> you know Maggie would, doesn't know anymore. She's pretty, pretty successful. No. It. I know, but it takes, you know, it takes a long time and a lot of, a lot of time and a long time to get to a place where you can actually, you know, start to support yourself. And I, I've got kids and, you know, I just, I had to kind of back How down. many kids do you have? I have three How many kids. kids. Three kids? Yeah. How old are they? Six, 14, and 11. So maybe yeah. we can talk a little bit about childcare. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's um, another podcast. But uh, wow, it's busy, busy, busy. Very busy. And uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I don't know, yeah. I don't know why yeah. my, my, my phone, uh, I don't know if you guys are hearing any background noise, but hopefully not. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. good. Right. Yeah, uh, she's got a lot going on. She's a she's a busy mom. She's running a couple businesses, and um, yeah, people need to talk to you. And they you're like, I'm busy right now, <laughs> doing my interviews. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I kind of gave up the. Uh, of course, had to give up the performing in bars, also uh, of necessity. Now, you know, in 2020, but I kind of was going away from that even before that. So that's kind of my my outlet to be able to play on piano and like record it and post it is kind of where I get to perform, you know. Baby, are you from here? Are you from California? Yeah, I'm from Venice, Venice Beach. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What was it like growing up? Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I'm the oldest of six, although initially it was just my sister and I, and then after my parents divorced and remarried, they started other families. So um, it was awesome. Growing up in Venice was really cool. I mean, to me, when I tell people that, they're like, wow, Venice is really weird or cool or <laughs> that. And, you know, if you, whatever you grow up in, that's normal to you. So you don't, you're not thinking it's weird. You're just like, this is just life, right? Mm -hmm. I think it was a really great um, place to grow up. I loved it. And when I grew up, it was not really discovered. Like I've been back to visit many times and it's now it's like very expensive. You cannot afford to buy a place there. Like, but when I grew up, it was just kind of a rundown kind of beach town, you know? So really interesting artists. Apart, apart from, you know, like that Silicon Valley South that's come there and, and there are some just outrageously, ridiculously remodeled homes that, that have kind of blighted the area in, in, a, in a way. I, I, I'm grateful that, that Venice Beach, California, still maintains a pretty strong element of uniqueness. Yes, it does. It still has... Grow up there, yeah. 
I was there a, a couple of months ago, brought my roller skates down and, and skated on the boardwalk. And it was before everything closed up. It was fun. Yeah. I, uh, a friend of mine went back to Venice maybe a month ago and he said it was just the video was just packed and people were not wearing masks at all. And he was like, it's pretty intense and scary here. (laughs) What are we doing? I feel like are like that. I was on the train yesterday and and going by San Clemente beach and it was like, there was, it was as if there was no COVID at all because there were so many people on the beach and just crowds. Yeah. People are fearless. (laughs) getting crowds and they're like forget about it right. yeah. but I feel like we're all in our houses and we're like oh the internet is scary everything's scary. you know what I mean it's so different it's it so is. different and it's different when you leave California also like I was in Texas and um to visit my sister and it's just different there they don't they don't chastise you for not wearing a mask you know and I would say it's about 50 50 like half and half people do some don't um I mean you could go out to eat it was strange it was really weird I was like I feel so guilty (laughs) so confusing but then you and then you were there in that environment and you were fine Mm -hmm. right yeah (laughs) yeah so I don't know yeah I don't know yeah but let's just uh stay on the internet and let's uh let's talk some tunes shall we Yes. Let's talk some tunes. Here we go, A.B. This is your song number one. If I can't help falling in love with you. Well, that's a classic if I ever heard one. Yes. Elvis Presley, Can't Help Falling in Love. Tell us about that song. Why did you pick that song? You know, that song is always going to make me think of my father. He is a musician. He's the one that really exposed me to so much music from birth. And he's a songwriter also. But um, that song is the first like duet that we played together on the piano. And it was something that we would do all through my childhood. And then, you know, into my adulthood, whenever he would come to visit me, we would we would play that together. So that's why that song is really special to me. Now your dad was a songwriter. How did your how did your parents meet? What did your mom do? Uh, my, you know, I think they met at a party. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was a homemaker for most of my childhood, and then you know they got divorced when I was ten. So then she um, helped my stepfather build up his business as just kind of his manager, um, and he's as an electrician. So. Um, but she also has a love for music, but he, my dad, it's kind of, I would say maybe kind of a little bit obsessed, more like me when we share that with you, that in common with each other. So did you ever he wrote a lot of songs? He wrote a rap when my sister and I were growing up and we were in, you know, uh, um, middle school and high school and wanting to be more into pop music. And, but he's, was also very protective. So he's like, well, let me rap, let me write, write a rap for them. It's called what is hip. <laughs> that gives you an idea of how old <laughs> most kids do not know what hip is like but yeah what is hip yeah you want me to, you want me to grab it to you <laughs> kind of if you remember it uh yeah I remember it a little bit like the idea behind the song was like don't follow the crowd don't try to be hip don't try to be popular because it's going to get you in trouble right mm-hmm. so it was like something like it goes Hey, shirts and skirts, girls and guys, I'm going to make you hip. 
make you wise. I may sound arrogant, haughty too, but you decide if what I say is true. <laughs> I got the answer, and it's a real trip. The answer to the question, what is hip? What is hip? What is hip? What is hip? That's the first verse. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that funny that I can remember that? <laughs> you probably haven't thought about that in years. No, and he would be so embarrassed. Like if he, when he hears this, he's going to be like, oh my gosh, you did not do that. <laughs> no, that is so great. So you and your dad were close. I love that. Did yeah. he, um, so did he perform in bars or anything or? Um... Um, you know, before he had kids, yes. He had like a dream of being in entertainment. Once he had his, his girls, he kind of decided that it was going to take too much of a sacrifice and so he just did it more for himself. He still continued to write music and he's written probably hundreds of songs and he still does even to this day, 73, but um, he never pursued it for as a business. I was wondering if you ever got to go watch him perform live. Um, you know what I did get to do was as an adult, my sister and I got to go into the studio with him and record some of his original songs with him just for our pleasure. Yeah. So he wrote a song about whaling and, and you know, um, it's called The Shepherd and the Whaler. He had really strong passion for animals and animals that were going extinct. So that song we went and recorded in the studio and it was cool. Really nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. It is kind of a shame. I mean, we live in a world where it is so easy to distribute your own music. I mean, I just put out an album in $89 and you can release as many songs as you want, you know, and they like yeah. put it all together for you. So, I mean, who knows? Like a different time. Yeah. Yeah. He could have definitely. What were your dad's primary influences? You picked Elvis Presley. Was he a fifties era predominantly? And did he grow with the times? I'll tell you, his his main influences were the Beatles, were and are the Beatles. That was his, that's probably who he loves the most. But um, Sam Cooke, Motown, uh, a lot of Motown, you know. Elvis, I mean, not so much Elvis. He just kind of chose that song because it's sweet, it's romantic, and it's easy for him to teach a little girl to play as a duet on the piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Does your sister play music? Is she musical? She loves music and she doesn't, I don't think she plays any instruments. I know she was going to pick up ukulele, but I don't know if she pursued that. She lives in uh, Maui actually, and she's busy raising little girls. So, Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a family that member that you want to visit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We've gotten to go out there a number of times, but you know, it's the other thing is that, because she's there, it's like there are so many other places that I haven't visited because I will always choose to go there, you know. So like, yeah. That's so great. That is so great. I love that. Well, all that from Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. Here we go. This is your song number two. Well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof of beauty and the moon. God, what a beautiful, she's amazing. David, are you crying? Oh, no. Somebody passing the tissues. I know. It's, it's been so... a very emotional month for me. Mm. And all of us, I know, but that fucking hit me like a brick, man. I love this song. 
Such a, I mean, carry on, carry on. <laughs> no, I love that you had that reaction because that's what it does to me too. And I actually got to see her perform it live. I love that you chose the live version also. That I was doing the ugly cry at the end. Like I was like, my face was contorted. <laughs> because, you know, the song itself is beautiful. The lyric is beautiful. But when I heard her sing it the first time, it just took on a totally different meaning for me. It just didn't seem like the same song. Like, Where were you when you heard it for the first time? Um, a good friend of mine discovered it and played it for me. And I think maybe we were in her car or, you know, we were, to we were together, my friend Paula, she's really deep and she's a poet and she's like, you have to hear this. And she's a huge Katie Lang fan. So we went to see her together a couple of years later. But when she played that for me, it was like that, that song, it's a love song, right? But it's almost like, it's almost like you're like, if I feel like the word hallelujah, even though it's a word that's used in praise to God, like this song, feels like it's more like mercy, like I give up, like like love, the pain of love, like the, the angst and the pain and the hurt is like, hallelujah, like just mercy, I give up. Like that's how I, that's how I hear that song. I felt, and I'm really emotional right now. I can't, I just validated. It was like, it's been a fucking hard month. It was just really validating. <clears throat> Ugly cry. Um, and yeah, it's been a long time since we've Y-tuned and shuffled. And this is cool. So thanks a lot. That was a great song. <laughs> I love that. That's, it's so real. It's so like, we need that. I'm a cry baby too. So it's, no, it's, I needed so that. I, I definitely needed it. <clears throat> Anything can happen on this show. And, you know, music really is, and David says this all the time, but music is the universal language, and it's the one that we can all speak, and it makes us feel all the things. Mm -hmm. All the things. All so, the things. Yeah. Does it make you think of anyone in particular as you talk about, like, giving in, you know, the mercy, the angst of love? Does it make you think of someone in particular? Um. That's a great question. And I mean, I'd have to say, honestly, no, I've had a lot of heartbreaks. <laughs> um, so I guess maybe I say no, and maybe I'd say yes, all of them. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's such a frustrating thing, isn't it, love? Like, <laughs> um, I have I have had my wonderful children. I'm super appreciative for that, but I am I've been divorced from their dad for seven years, and I've dated a few people, and it's just like I'm I'm learning a lot about myself, and I love to take personal responsibility for things. I'm like I don't think all men are jerks. I think I am drawing jerks to me, <laughs> so it's my fault. And why am I doing that? So I, that's where I am right now in my journey that I'm figuring out. Why am I bringing this kind of person into my life? And how do I stop doing that? Yes. I, if I may, I, I can totally relate. I'm married now. Mm -hmm. And um, and oftentimes my wife and I, because my wife's twice divorced, I'm divorced. Mm -hmm. um, we're in our 50s. And, um, you know, 
I was definitely out there on Bumble looking for a wife. And I think that's the game changer that I would, I would say for me anyway, changed because I was in great relationships, but I was not committed or she was not committed. And I think it goes for any kind of partnership. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the, the toughest conversation one has to have with oneself around, you know, love and relationship and partnership is, do I want that? Do I want partnership? Do I want relationship? And I'm so grateful for the experience because Val and I have our moments. I mean, we can fight like, like excellent. We got great skills with fighting. <laughs> um, but we, we both we both know what we want yeah. and, and, and the reward that we get, you know, right. from like we both want to be here. And it really does make the other shit easier because we know at the end of the day, this is what we want and we're getting so many rewards. So yeah, it's it's hard. And I, I I hope that if that's what you want in partnership, that, you know, that's a question you could ask a guy like, you know, just dude, do you really want this or whatever, whomever you partner up with? Like you are, you you know, we had to be really clear on what we were looking for. It's like, I don't want to just date. I want to be married. Are you down with that? She's right. like, I'm down with that. Yeah. So it, I, I have a whole new renewed hope in relationships. That's great. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That gives me hope also. And I I love what your <laughs> advice that you're giving me because that's like a scary question to ask somebody when you start to get to know them because it's like it scares them away. But if it's a person that's going to get scared away, I don't want to be talking to them, right? It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, all men are assholes, I have to say. (laughs) DNA. Because we are, we're so neurotic. It's like, you know, even with this new foster situation, you know, I'm I'm just like, what are you, it's a barbecue grill, just pick one out, you know. (laughs) I I can't calm down for shit. Like, and I have to work on it. Yeah, we're all a work in progress. Right on. That's great. It's just a barbecue grill. I'm going to think about that all day. <laughs> Perfect. All right, here we go. Avi, this is your song number three. All right, this is a very cool one. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, so you're gonna have to help me. Osifuni Mungu. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's a, a choral arrangement. This one is performed particularly by the Angel City Chorale. Why this song? I love this. I love choral music. Uh, yeah, I do too. And it's interesting because when everything kind of shut down and all of the you know coronavirus was still new to us. And it was just super scary. I was driving in my car, um, making my deliveries and just in silence. And I just got this overwhelming like urge to hear African music. Uh, it was just out of nowhere. It was so weird. It was just like, I felt like I need to hear African music right now. So I just did a search on Spotify and started playing music. And this song came up. And as I'm listening to it, I started, I'm like, why does this song sound familiar? I started singing it and I knew the words. <laughs> and I was like, 
what in the world? It was so weird. And I got home and I I got my kids. I'm like, come over here, come over here. And I played this song and I started singing the song with them. And they're like, and it was the weirdest, weirdest thing. And what I realized and figured out was it was a song that I had learned in choir in school. And I hadn't heard it in 30 years. And I hadn't even oh thought about it. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it in 30 years. And and so that song is like grounding for me. And that kind of music, I listen to that music almost every day, early in the morning before everybody wakes up. I put on um, African choir music and it grounds me and it helps me to get, like it, I felt like it helped me through that time of th this time, this whatever this 2020 is, craziness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's just, it's been a, it's been a, like a saving thing for me. So African choir music in relation to the Christian church, or is this African, uh, like influenced choral music from like indigenous peoples? Um, my, well, for my playlist, there's a combination of, of it, uh -huh. but it's, so some of them are like, there's the, like the Our Father prayer in African dialect. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but then some of them are, I don't know what the translation is for Osi Funi Mungu. Honestly, I don't know if it is really in relation to um, the Christian faith. It's just, for me, it is kind of like church. Like it is kind of like, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in, in listening to some because we, we begin our day and we keep music going in the house as much as possible. It's just such a necessary ingredient to the day. And we're always looking for, my wife is Brazilian. And so a lot of Bossa Nova and stuff is, is being. I love Bossa Nova. Yeah. Oh, dude. Dude, it's like, and yeah. So, um, yeah, African core. It's, it's just, you just Google African choir music and you'd find something. Yeah, there are a number of universities that, that, that those are the choices that they make for their, what they're going to perform would be like some kind of African choir music. So that's. Okay. It's good stuff. This song, I do. I ask you to send the list beforehand, so I do a little research on these songs. And this song, um, one of the writers and composers, Marty McCall, says that actually this song was inspired by Paul Simon's performance during the Grammys in 1987 when he played Graceland, and their backup was a male vocal group called Ladysmith Black Mambazo from South Africa. Graceland won album of the year that year in 1987, but that's how this song came to be written and composed. Full body chills because Graceland, that album was the album of my mom's, I mean, that's an album of my life. That was the album of my mom and dad's divorce. She was obsessed with that. She listened to it on repeat. So therefore I listened to it on repeat. And I just, that is so crazy that you just put that up. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just think it's so fascinating that even like this pop culture, you know, can affect choir music and the spiritual music. And it's, it's neat. And it's neat wow. that like you're, you sang it in school also yeah. when it was probably right. kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. I mean, just so that's just, it feels like more than coincidence. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. I love that. Shall we? Song number four. All around the world, love women ever shaded. Power run. So even if you 
Tell me about this song. Who is this? How did you find it? What? What? Uh, this is um, Mona Hadar is the name of the artist. And I, I don't know how I found this song, but when I heard it, I was just like, oh my gosh. It's like such, feels like like women empowerment and just like be express yourself. Like she says, I, even if you hate it, I still wrap my hijab or my hijabi. So like basically like wrap yourself externally with what you're what you believe what you stand for what is important to you and not being apologetic over it like that is really empowering to me and that's it's like my whole thing is uh, my life is about empowering empowerment is what I coach it's what I'm trying to teach my children especially my female child you know is to be be who you are unapologetically yeah it's even your Instagram ha- handle, Empowered Mama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, great. You know, I was raised by um, a very disempowered mom, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. it's something that I'm learning. I think a lot of women, young women coming up now are are being raised to be who they are and, and okay with it. And that's okay. And we're going to love you no matter what. But my mom was not raised that way. So she, and she didn't. You know, we kind of learned by watching her versus she was wonderful mothering and telling us, oh, you guys, you know, you're wonderful or you're smart or you can do this or that. But how she felt about herself is how I learned to feel about myself. So it's a lot of undoing and, un, you know, unprogramming. Yeah, which I don't think was part of their vernacular, th- this unlearning behavior you know what I mean because I feel like I go through the same thing with my mom and her self-confidence issues and her eating issues and it's a it's a lot of unlearning for myself as well and how to like take control of that right and that you just you are enough you are you're just you're great you don't have to be saying sorry all the time (laughs) right oh the s word (laughs) I I just came across something online about um, there was a post where a woman said, "Don't misinterpret me saying I'm sorry." There was a it was kind of alluding to that's kind of a feminine catchphrase of just excuse me or you know because but I, I hear you when you say that it can be part of feeling disenfranchised or not valid or whatever. Yeah. I think more so that's the case, but a, a lot of there's a lot of, I guess, awareness around women that say I'm sorry a lot. And I've had this conversation with other women. Right. Like, uh, yeah. So that's an interesting point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's important, too. Like, um, my boyfriend, Chad, will say a lot of times, he's like, why are you sorry? Stop saying that. You know, which I think is great. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to apologize for asking a question about what you want at the grocery <laughs> store. It's, it's not necessary. Um yeah, so I think it's helpful too that like people like you, David, are aware of that, you know, and helping us recondition our brains. Like we don't have to apologize for existing. Yeah. Take up Unless space. you're saying like I'm sorry, but that's not true at all. <laughs> you know, use it with power. Right. Use apology for power. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I'm find them? Sorry? I'm, excuse me? Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> having, a, having a daughter, how do you find, what, are there challenges or rewards or how do you teach that to someone? How do you? Um, you know what? It's extremely challenging because 
my learning is happening right now while she's being raised. So she's already 14 years old and she has already picked up some unhealthy traits from me, you know, of trying to make yourself smaller or, you know, just thinking people, uh, putting too much emphasis on what people think of you and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's something that I'm working with her on actively, but, you know, from her very early years, she watched um, person who is not empowered and she learned from me so now I'm hoping that she's learning from my example and from my what I'm teaching her to be yeah you know, to be, yeah well the we best do. way to get better at something is to teach it right yeah yeah teach it teach it and be it like for as far as parenting goes it's what you're what you are more so than what you say you know? yeah and that's so fascinating, too, because you have two boys that don't do that at all. No, they don't. But you know, they never say, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, but it's great. Having both sexes is great because you can teach them how to treat the opposite sex. And that's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. When, how old were you when your parents divorced? You were 10, you said? Yeah. And your daughter was seven. That's such like an, a, a difficult age. And like, I mean, you've been through divorce. I've been through divorce. It's hard. It's really hard. Any confidence or idea of like who you were just like goes out the window, you know? And so I'm sure as a seven-year-old having to watch you go through that, I was 13, 12, 13 when my parents went through divorce and I didn't get why my mom was the way that she was angry all the time and sad and out, you know, like started drinking a lot. I didn't get it until I went through my divorce and I was like, Oh, right. A lot more compassion there for you. <laughs> like I get it now. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really very open with my kids. So I, I, I hope I'm not sharing too much with them, but I do talk very openly with them and try to help them understand, um, you know, what life, what the, the truth about life. Like, I know we want to protect our kids naturally, but I think that we can do them a disservice when we protect them too much from reality. Mm -hmm. So I, I do share a lot with them in, in teachings, in, in the, 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 the idea of teaching them. Incidentally, I'm a child of divorce as well. And a huge part of my mother and my relationship, and I think this is true of all of my siblings and step-siblings and half-siblings and everything that came about from that, was through music. I mean, I remember getting lessons around Janis Joplin and Rod Stewart initially. You know, not, not, not necessarily political messages, but loosen up messages, lighten up. Yeah. And then those led to more direct, you know, state of the union uh, talk and as a teacher I learned you know it is it is almost a disservice when you speak to a young person on a you know a lower level you know like I try right. to speak to them like I'm speaking to you guys right now and, and give them that same dignity that same respect like I'm interested in what because I really am for the most part and of course you have to adjust for whatever a person's cognitive ability is but yeah man it's so helpful and my mom today and I, I think our great relationship is based on we talked like adults to each other around 11 or 12 years old yeah it, it was very helpful yeah I, I feel the same way yeah mm -hmm. thank you for validating that because that's that's what I that's what I do 
And of course I'll adjust. I won't share everything, but I do yeah. want them to, to understand, you know, things in a real way. And they're smart enough. Like they're yes. just the thing. We need yeah. to give them credit. All right, I hate to say this, but here is your song number five. I bet you you'll never guess who that is, David. I will never guess. I don't look. I should, but I don't. Stevie Wonder. (laughs) I know. Song called Blue Stevie Wonder. Yes. Ariana Grande uh, lends her vocals on that track also from the soundtrack uh, Sing. Yeah. Why that song? When I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, this song is amazing. He is amazing. He's like Mm -hmm. in his late 70s, I think. And he's still jamming like that. Like, it's just super. The song, he is super inspirational. The song is so high beat. I'll listen to that when I'm going to be going on camera, which I do a lot. And when I say camera, I just mean my phone. <laughs> but, you know, I, I realize that the camera doesn't translate, like, energy very well. So I feel like I have to get extremely pumped up to even come through um you know just kind of excited so i'll listen to that and then at the end of that song if you listen to the whole thing it really gets like it he gets carried away and it's just like you are in black church like it's like (laughs) it's so good yeah it it, it netted me it definitely was cool and i i I did grease look through your list and, but I kind of go, once we get talking and stuff, I forget. And yeah. that, was a nice, that was a nice grabber at the end. I love that. So it's like your pump up song, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm jumping up and down. I'm like, yeah. How do your kids feel about your music? Are they into it? Do you guys share a lot together? Yes. Um, my kids, we kind of, we sometimes fight over the piano. And the, actually, I live in an apartment, so we don't have an actual real piano. We have a keyboard. We went to, to test keyboards and try to find one that sounded like a real piano. And, and the way that we even got it was kind of cool because it was a year that I got a return, a tax return, and I said, we have enough money to either buy a TV, because we didn't have a TV. We can either buy a TV or we can buy a piano. And unanimously, everybody voted for a piano. Wow. So, wow. We went and we invested in a really nice keyboard that sounds like a piano. And, you know, initially we fought over it. We fought over piano time. <laughs> Two of my kids play the piano really well. And my my third child is, um, he plays clarinet and saxophone. He plays a little bit of piano, but everybody's musical. So, yeah, we're, we're all into it. That is so great. I love that. Yeah. You know, I was just, uh, I was on another podcast the other day and she was asking me, cause I play guitar mostly, um, and it's very limited piano. It's very annoying if I don't put headphones on in the house. Um, <laughs> but she was like, tell me about that. And I was like, well, they call it playing an instrument for a reason. It's playtime. It really should be fun. And if it's a chore, like you're doing it wrong, I think. Uh, yeah. So did you have lessons, Maggie? Mm-hmm. Like guitar lessons? No. no. Yeah. Um, Someone gave me a book and it had like the picture tabs in it. And so I just figured it out playing the pictures and then you memorize chords. And like, as you know, 
pop songs are all the same three and four chords. So you learn three or four of them and you can play 30 to 50 pop songs. So they're all in just a different order. I love that. Because initially I had my son taking piano lessons and he just hated it because he had such natural talent that he could play by ear. Mm -hmm. And it became such a battle of the wills between us that I let him stop. And I've just kind of questioned like, was that a good idea? But I think that what you just said was so amazing and I've never thought about it before but you said that playing an instrument that it should be like play like it should be fun it's so play to yeah it, yeah that's really cool I love that yeah yeah well good I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> well your songs have been amazing and super inspirational I'm so glad to get you to know you better we're not done with you yet we're gonna let David Earl Waterman take over with a little game we call band name or bar name it's time again for the Y-Tune Shuffle original game show. Is it the name of the bar or is it the name of the band? I'm going to give you the name of a bar. It's actually a club. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give you the name of a band that would likely play in this club. Your job is to decide which one is the name of the bar and which one is the name of the band. Ah, okay. <laughs> Have you ever been to New York once yes okay well this is upstate new york in a little town called ithaca okay <laughs> and this is the real name of one of the hottest clubs and a real name of one of the hottest bands dating back to the early 80s okay okay so i'm gonna say to you guys hey let's go out to a club in ithaca tonight you guys will go like yeah let's do it i'll yeah, say okay want to go want to go see uh the zobo they're playing at the haunt and you guys go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we could end up being at a great club, seeing a good band. I could also say, hey, you want to go to the Zobo? Guess who's playing? The Haunt. Um, okay. <laughs> wow, that's hard. They were uh, yeah, and it's dumb. <laughs> it's such a dumb I think, going, I think I'm going to see The Haunt at Zobo. Is that what you're going to do? That's what I'm going to okay. do. Well, I, 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 I hate to say it, but I nailed you. Yeah. Oh, we would be going to the haunt to see the Zobo, and I left off the last two words: the Zobo Fun Band, which is oh. a <laughs> I Zobo Fun yeah. Band. That's yeah. great. That's a funny name. And, and, and now your job is to go ahead and, and tell me of uh, a city that I should go explore the names of clubs and the names of bands, so that the next guest will next be able guest. to ah, play pass it along. Oh, that's cute. I love that. Uh, okay. Um, well, I would say, how about Laguna Beach? I'll pick a city close to me. Yeah. Laguna, Laguna Beach, Beach California. Love. Thank you so much for playing our game. Oh, of course. <laughs> thinking, so thinking very hard, we'd love to hear the experience of your very first concert. Do you remember? My first concert. Um, hmm. Hmm. What was my first concert? I mean, I've grown up watching live music so much. So like the first like real, like somebody who's really made it concert, I would yeah. say, I guess it was maybe Muse. Wow. Okay. Yeah, oh, Muse. I saw them in Las Vegas. Um, I great. love them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're great. And it, that wasn't even that long ago. Um, maybe, maybe a decade ago. But uh, yeah, I, I think that would have been my first like big 
you know, I, I love concerts. I love live music, but I honestly, I don't want to be at a concert unless I can be really close. Like mm-hmm. if I'm way in the back, I'm like, forget it. Like I want to be, you can watch I that want on TV. to see yeah. you and I want you to see me, mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. you know? So I, I, I got to see John Legend once um, front row and that was before he was really pop. So I got a great ticket. I was by myself. It was in the front row. And I actually got to get on stage with him and dance with him. And it was amazing. That was probably my best concert experience. How did you get up on stage? Were you, did he reach down and pulled you up? It was part of his show where he would, you know, do one of his songs. It's called Slow Dance. And he would be like, you know, I'm lonely tonight. And <laughs> anybody anybody want to dance with me? And of course, the whole audience would go, ah! screaming right and I'm by myself I'm in the front row and there's this guy next to me who he must have been like seven feet I'm short so he looked like he was seven feet tall he was so huge I didn't realize while I'm screaming to be picked he's doing like this so I had Uh, extra uh, attention (laughs) so he picks me and I'm like me and so I start um heading to the stage and this gigantic man approaches me like a bodyguard like I thought oh no I, I misunderstood like I'm not supposed to he puts his hands under my armpits like I'm a kid and just lifts me up and boom I'm on the stage and I'm like oh my god oh my god and so I danced with him we cha would um he gave me a rose he gave me a kiss it was amazing oh cool beans that's great wow yeah. That was my coolest concert experience. <laughs> no kidding. What about the last live music that you saw? Mm, the last live music, I think the last like concert that I went to was, uh, last concert was the Katie Lang. Nice. Uh, no, that's not true. That's not true. I'm sorry. There is a really cool little like rundown place out here called the Coach House. Yeah, I love the Coach House. Yes. Yeah. And I've, it's really cool, right? Yeah. And they have some good people there sometimes. So who did I go to see? I went to see an 80s band with some of my friends, my neighbor friends. And I think it was, what was it? Was it like Flock of Seagulls or? Oh, cool. It was, I can't remember what band it was right now, but it was it was really great. It was original members for the most part. Um, gosh, I'll have to look it up. Uh, but the coach yeah, house is neat. I had a friend who worked there in high school doing lighting and sound mixing. And so I would spend summers up there hanging out with him, just watching these bands come in and out. Like I didn't know, like a lot of reggae, like that was his favorite. So he'd always invite me for those, but, um, yeah, I love the coach house. Good. That's good stuff. Yeah. For a few different, like Diane Shores, she was there. I, I actually snuck in backstage to meet her. She was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they do uh, they do comedy there too. I think I was working at a radio station and Caroline Ray performed and I got I got pulled over on the way cuz I was late in my my radio station van and the cop pulled me over and he was like, "You got any t-shirts back there?" And I was like, "Of course I do. How many do you want?" <laughs> That's great. You got out of a ticket. I got out of a ticket. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. All oh, the coach house. Well, I, I'm so glad that you took the time and thank you for sharing your songs and your energy with us is what's your corner of the internet? How do we find you? How do we keep up with all of the amazing stuff that you're doing with your feel alive foods and all the businesses that you run? 
Oh, thank you so much. Um, I, I use social media because it's free advertising, right? Mm -hmm. So I use that a lot. Instagram, especially. So my Instagram is my personal Instagram is empowered mama 2020, but cause I thought 2020 was going to be different, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, my business Instagram for my feel alive foods company is at feel underscore alive underscore foods feel alive foods so yeah that would be really cool and that's the, the website as well feelalivefoods.com perfect i'll make sure that we put all of those up in our blog hey did you know that we have a website also ytunesshuffle.com where you can find all of our episodes all the nuggets about all these songs and then how to contact all of our guests if you want to know more about them or their song choices or any of that stuff so david earl waterman anything else you want to add before we wrap this episode up just Avi, you were such a joy and the perfect guest to get us back up and rolling. And great, great casting again, Maggie. It's such an honor to be a part of this show and to be your sidekick. And uh, just let's 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 stay strong, folks, and keep the music, keep the beat going. And uh, thank you guys so much. This this is really important and special to me. This time that I got to have with you guys and, and the connection we got to have. The connection is the thing that I'm missing the most during this. So thank you guys so much. I feel you there, 100%. Well, thank you again both for your time and energy. David R. Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood's secret weapon. I haven't said that in a long time, and it feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Maggie Mayfield. And that's it. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.